Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. My name's Imran, TJ Sutherland, Dan Colacott, with new episodes released on the first and third Mondays of the month. Catch Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast at foreverinelectricdreams.com. How's it going, everybody? TJ Sutherland here on the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. Now, as I'm sure you know by now, our new shows go live on the first and third Monday of every month, and you can find all of our previous shows on our website, which is foreverinelectricdreams.com. As always, my cohorts for our discussion today are Dan Collicott. Hello. And Imran Mirza. Hello. <laughs> Good stuff. Right. So today we'll be discussing the future of cinema, or lack thereof. Um, now, you probably think this has been spurred on by the temporary closure of one of the biggest cinema chains i think in the uk uh cineworld uh due to big movie release dates being pushed out and uh that obviously is a knock-on effect of the dreaded coronavirus but the argument could also be made that cinema was in trouble before the pandemic uh streaming services shortened lead times between cinematic and dvd releases um, better home cinema systems, the proliferation of the internet, um, and in turn, the old nemesis of cinema piracy. Uh, a small sample of some of the things that have been chipping away at cinema dominance, so it's quite a meaty topic, I think, for us to dig into. So, start us off. Imran, um, do you think we're witnessing the death of big cinema chains? Um and conversely, the rise of kind of smaller independent cinemas. What um, are your thoughts? I would find it hard to that the, the the death of cinema in any context is something that could um, could happen. Uh, I, I, but I I would have thought that obviously that the indies would have gone first. Uh, if if we were ever in that situation, but um, I don't know. I I I think cinema is still an incredibly prestigious thing, and I I think the coronavirus has obviously had a huge impact. I think cinema has been able to at least have some lead time in terms of planning ways around the rise of streaming uh, culture and Netflix that uh, can have a budget, an incredibly high budget movie. Um, made specifically for their audience uh, as well, which is definitely something that has contributed to kind of, you know, cinema almost becoming a secondary thing at times. Um, but I don't know. I, 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 I think that there's, there's, there's still a lot to keep cinema alive. I think it has a, an incredibly rich kind of uh, prestige to it. Right. That's still, that's still, that's got to be still the case. Yeah, true. I mean, the, the whole experience of going out, getting your popcorn or whatever snacks you want, I mean, that's still something that people have tried to replicate at home <laughs> to a certain extent. But um, obviously, that's it's a different kettle of fish uh, when, when it comes to going to the cinema. All right, so Dan, what, what do you think? Do, are we witnessing the death of big cinema? And uh, actually, because just to... Uh, jog your memory as well so we had a discussion around what because I, I said you know is it going to be the rise of the indies and we were trying to figure out what do we class as an independent cinema because I was thinking along the lines of you know like your yeah, Everyman's and stuff like that and like Prince Charles in central London that 
shows like old classic movies and kind of independent independent cinema uh, movies. <laughs> Is that the way to put it? Um, <laughs> so like it's basically smaller budget films and um, and stuff like that, as opposed to a lot of the big uh, big budget big blockbuster summer movies that the bigger cinemas focus on. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on around kind of how you think they're, how do you think that's going? Um, I think there's obviously, you know, the indies work really well for niche audiences who, as you say, they, they want to, they want to experience a, you know, a classic film or maybe kind of genre i think you know being being a horror fan myself uh going to independent cinemas to see um horror films uh, or anything kind of in the kind of horror sort of genre is is definitely you know you can only really achieve that with um independent cinemas because you don't tend to get many big budget horror films anymore, and I know that's not not always the case. But considering how many horror films are released a year, if you if you really are an ardent fan like myself, you, you kind of have to try and either go and see them on the um, what's it called the uh, festival kind of circuit, oh, yeah. or you have to kind of go to a, an independent an independent um, cinema, especially as we are so far behind in the UK when it comes to streaming services for horror. And I don't think, you know, there's not many that have really kind of taken off. Whereas I think in the States um, in particular, there's a lot more horror uh, focused streaming services. So we're, we're kind of a bit, oh, really? I didn't realize that. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there's I think there, there's just more of everything. So I think yeah. it. I don't know in in the context of COVID, and you know, obviously, we're seeing our own kind of rise of, of Netflix, Amazon, Disney, Apple, um, Hulu, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's there's a lot of services which are now becoming much more popular in the UK, which I think is is challenging a lot of filmmakers. Um, and I, I, you almost look at COVID and you look at the amount of films that have essentially, you know, they were meant to go, they were meant to come out in the cinema, you know, big, big money releases and they've tend to end up, you know, on Netflix or Amazon. You look at the last, um, Borat film, you know, okay. that, yeah. potentially, you know, that would have got a, a widespread cinema release, I think, and that's gone straight to um, Amazon. And I think was Amazon... It done, okay. Was it done because of coronavirus or, or was that always yeah. the plan? No, I, I believe, I believe that was because of COVID. I, right. um, obviously, they're, you know, as TV, I guess they could get away with that with that film though, because it would have been done on a much smaller budget than most films. I would have thought, right? Yeah, exactly. So you can kind of, yeah. So I think I think there's, you know, you're looking at an economic model in 
in test in beta really at the moment because there's so many films that are just coming on to streaming services that were meant for cinema whereas i think you know as you mentioned before covid happened there was already you know a lot of a lot of streaming services especially amazon prime um, and netflix were buying really big film licenses and funding really big films for the yeah. first time so suddenly you know you were getting uh you know big actors lineups um licenses all coming out first on streaming services but i think economically that that only works as a you know i i don't think amazon prime apple whoever disney i don't i don't see them going down that route all the time i think i still think the the way they're set up is more for uh you know is more for tv shows um, right yeah or for regular serious type series type um shows yeah yeah serials um, yeah so we're not we're not we're not maybe there yet but it'll be interesting hopefully when you know when covid finishes if it ever <laughs> and it gets the season finale yeah exactly if the vaccine um does what it what it needs to do then it'd be interesting to look back and say okay did, did that work um i mm. mean but for me personally i think independent movies horror movies big genre movies kind of there's a middle ground which i think now has a lot more opportunity to reach audiences through streaming services and independent cinemas whereas i think the big blockbuster films will always you know covid willing will always be in big cinemas and people will pay to go and see you know the 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 big experience of you know 4D 3D you know big uh, sound systems and everything that goes with modern cinema um i think the only issue you kind of have well i had with that um before covid was cinemas are getting too greedy they were just cu- just charging too much for yeah. film um yeah. but i think i think that it it felt like there was there was a bit of a, a softening to that approach like i think a lot of cinemas were doing a lot more offers and deals and stuff like that so maybe it's not quite as bad i know you know we live in london where it's always going to be the most expensive to do anything but i yeah. think that that was the only major criticism and what are, interesting dj what, what do you think um i don't know i i mean i and uh, again i'm going to brush into a little bit of a question i was going to ask you guys later but i you know i i'm a, a fan of you know the big summer blockbuster movies you know i'm a big sci-fi fan i'm a big comic book fan so you know your mcus your dcus all that kind of stuff um and i've always i've always felt like you know stuff like that needs to be on the big screen first um but then when oftentimes because i I used to go to i had a membership at the view cinema in um in wandsworth and like 
yeah, I don't recall any time going there and seeing the cinema as rammed as it was when I was a kid. Um, the only times I've been to cinemas and seen them really kind of packed, and I guess it's just from the scale and the size of the cinemas when I've been to like a, a smaller Everyman or been to Prince Charles for some sort of niche thing, as you as you mentioned before, Dad, like a kind of, yeah. you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger marathon or something stupid like that. But And, and you know, and... I see crowds going, to, I see people going to that, packing out the cinema and a kind of a much more infused crowd oftentimes. And I guess it's because they're there for something they're passionate about as opposed to, you know, people just going to summer blockbuster. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know if, I don't know if we're necessarily witnessing the death, but even before coronavirus or the pandemic, I, I kind of felt like maybe things were waning a little bit. Maybe it's just my, maybe it's just me. I'm not sure. But. No, I think I think you're right. I think um, the reality, even before COVID, was cinemas had to do a lot more to get people to come. I think I think the days where they could get away with charging twenty pounds per ticket and you know fifty pounds for popcorn and a drink, <laughs> I think I think it started to to sink in that there's a lot more competition, that that mm. they have to work harder, they have to do more to bring the audience in. But I still think, you know, the audience yeah, it, it's there. I mean I it never it never it staggers me when I when I stand in a queue and there'll be, you know, four people in front of me and they buy everything and I'm like, oh my God, you're you're seriously buying nachos and popcorn. <laughs> And you know, sick. It's cheaper, been cheaper for you to go to a Michelin style restaurant. And, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, you might as well. You know, um, and I think that was another thing that that was big when we talk about independent cinema, especially like Everyman was. They were trying to offer different experience with mm. like comfy sofas, and you can have, have a glass know, of wine and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. the alcohol nibbles, food. Um, mm. And I think um, that is something that you know the big the big cinema chains need to think about because you know for for the three of us I know we've had conversations about this before we don't really want to go into a cinema where a bunch of kids sit <laughs> there talking on their phone you know you can yeah. constantly see screens lit up and people you know just have just having no you know, no awareness yeah. of people around them and they're in a cinema that drives me nuts. And I definitely, even though I used to do, you know, I used to be quite a scallywag when I was a kid. Um, and I would, you know, I definitely throw things at my friends in a cinema, but kind of just them. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I you know, it was sort of, we, we were being, Don't get other people involved in your crossfire. Yeah, exactly. We were being idiots to each other and we weren't really kind of affecting anyone else because we weren't shouting or laughing or, you know, we, we knew, to, knew to be quiet even though we were doing stupid things. Hmm. Is it, uh, I mean, interestingly, like, you know, what do you, what do you guys think about, you know, you've got things like, obviously piracy is a, one that's been around since the dawn of time, but, you know, the, the rise in streaming services and, you know, home cinema tech has like gone through the roof and get like, you know, amazing 4K TVs and Dolby, surround sounds, Sonos, the whole 
you know, a whole nine yards. Do you think any of that's having a hand in pushing people away from going to the cinema now? People are a bit too comfortable at home? Uh, talking talking pre, pre-pandemic or, yeah. Sorry, go on, Imran. Sorry to interrupt. I, 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 I would have thought like Netflix, for example, because there's they've had a number of movies, say, in the last year that haven't. I think that, um, like The Irishman, for example, Hmm. The, the uh, Scorsese, Pacino, and De Niro movie. Now that did get a limited, apparently, cinema release. I couldn't find it. I was desperate to see. It. I waited so long to see the movie, and I wanted to see it in the cinema, but I couldn't find one near me that was that was playing it. So I don't know how limited it was. But like that, that's a movie that, in theory, would have done incredibly well in the cinema. Like, oh, how, hang how, on, hang on, one... Iman. How long was it? It was about seven days long, hours. I think. <laughs> yeah, it was about I seven think... days, I think. But um, I, I agree with what you're saying, because I, I really wanted to see that film. I'm, I still haven't seen it, but I wanted to see it in the cinema. But I think as soon as I found out it was like over four hours long... I Have you not seen it? No, I haven't. Is it? Oh my god! Yeah, I saw it I, I, over the course of a few days, but I saw it. <laughs> no, I, I desperately want to see it again, but I just can't make that time to watch it. But I, I, it's a lovely, it's a brilliant, brilliant film, and I really recommend it. But I would have loved to have gone to the cinema for that, for the for the the scale of just those four names attached to that movie. I would have absolutely but, loved to have seen it in the cinema. But then there's other films like there's, uh, I haven't certainly haven't watched this, but as a big budget. Uh, blockbuster movie that there's a Michael Bay and Ryan Reynolds movie. Um, oh yeah, I forget the name. Now that went straight uh, to Netflix. Six. Is that Six Underground? Something is yes. It that one? Yes. Yeah. I think is it Six? Is that, I don't know if that's the right number, but it's something Underground. Six isn't Underground. It? Yeah. Yeah. Now that's a movie that that's a big budget Michael Bay Ryan Reynolds movie action but big budget explosive summer blockbuster movie that went straight to Netflix. That was incredible. Like that was that was quite a surprise. Where you kind of think, did I miss this on the cinema? Like, did it not get a release? Or so I, I think the sort of streaming sites are having uh, a, a probably a more a significant impact um, over the last year or two um, than anything else potentially at the moment. As an opinion, mm-hmm. what do you think, Dan? Yeah, I would agree, but also. Apart from The uh, Irishman, I can't think of many films that I've... trying to think. Uh, El Camino, the uh, Breaking Bad movie, I, I watched that. But I, I, could, I couldn't list many films that I've watched on a streaming service first and thought, oh, this was amazing and, you know... Um, mm. I mean, I mean, when I when I say streaming service, I mean things like, especially when you look at like the lead the lead time between cinematic release and like something coming on, say a Sky Store or something along those lines. Like it, the that that time is getting feels like it's getting shorter and shorter. Um, and obviously, it's very film dependent as well. Like if the films didn't went in the cinema, then they might hold it back and and that sort of stuff as well. But you know, our the comforts of home and you know as you mentioned dan you know the scallywags in the cinema people throwing popcorn <laughs> and doing stupid stuff you know those two things combined along with you know piracy you know back in the days it was passing around a, a shonky tape to your mates that had been around fifty thousand different videos and was completely shot to shit but you know and was a dodgy pirate recording whereas now you know being able to download things off the internet is incredibly easy um 
Well, I say incredibly easy, easy, easier than it, uh, it used to be. But, um, you know, so are those some of the things that perhaps, you know, are kind of making people go, uh, do I need to spend 17, 20 quid in cinema, 50 quid on popcorn when I could just go down to Sainsbury's, get myself some popcorn for £2.50, <laughs> chill at home, put on my Sonos, get on the torrent. Not that I'm endorsing that poor behaviour, of course. We only watch our things legally on this podcast. I think it's interesting that, you know, I mean, we, we, they're, they're not far away from releasing 8K. I mean, we've barely integrated 4K TV and obviously, you know, kind of digital sound bars and, and you know, uh, Blu-ray systems and all that kind of jazz. So I think... I think we're not far away from being able to create a cinema experience in a, in our living room. But I think cinema technology is still like there's there's nothing quite like going to a, a modern cinema, especially the more kind of recent uh, builds hmm. where you've got you know, the most incredible sound and, and visuals and everything is just, you know, it, it to be able to see a screen that size, you're never going to be able to recreate that at home well, unless you've got a ridiculous amount of room and cash. <laughs> so I think... Wait till I win the lottery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so, I mean, for me, it's like anything, any big action movies... That or anything that's fairly epic and has scale, I always want to watch it in a cinema and experience it on a big screen because that's kind of what it was intended for. I don't mind watching, uh, I don't know, more kind of, um, I, I guess, less less action focused films, less hmm. big budget films at home. You know, there, there's definitely a level of comfort to that. There, there's definitely films that I probably would have uh, gone to the cinema to see that I would now just probably say, okay, no, I'll, I'll wait until it it comes on Amazon Prime or I can yeah. buy Blu-ray or whatever or download it or whatever. Um, so, yeah, there, there's definitely, I think, a shift. But mm. it it almost... It's kind of gone so far the other way now that there, you can't... There, there are quite quite iconic and interesting films that you know, even if they do make it to the cinema, they're going to get such a short run because cinema isn't really for that anymore. It, right. There's almost like there's a whole, you know, there's a whole genre, well, not really genre, but there's a whole area of film which just is just going to get bypassed. I mean, even if even if it does get a release, it's not going to be... For very long. You mean? You mean in terms of the, what? Maybe you could call it like mid-level, mid-tier budget films. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, so like you've got the big, you got the, your big MCU's and your big summer blockbusters and that sort of stuff, and then like a tier below that is that the kind of film you're thinking of? That sort of. Yeah. Um, Say, so, so yeah. for example, uh, Whacking Phoenix Joker. That hmm. even though it, it's a big. Big name, big budget film. I think fairly big budget, probably not that big compared to most action movies. It it probably only 
got a decent run in cinemas because of the furore around the subject matter, you know, and people talking about it inciting kind of crime or behavior or kind of there, there was lots of kind of uh, interest from the press. Uh, 70 million and, budget, by the way. Oh, okay. Well, that's pretty big, yeah. but I suppose compared to a Marvel film, it's... Yeah, potatoes. But that film, you know, I think it, it, it only because it got a lot of positive and very negative press, people really responded strangely to it, that that kind of stayed... You know, it actually stayed in the cinema for you know more than a month, more than you know maybe six weeks. It probably got. Whereas there's there's films that I've gotten to the cinema that I've really wanted to see, and after like three weeks, gone, over, been replaced by the next big action blockbuster, and you think, oh, that's really sad. Um, yeah, I guess that's where the money is for them, isn't it? So that's totally. where they to focus their efforts. Do you guys go to the cinema and, not, and watch non-massive blockbuster movies? So, interesting, because that was leading right into my next question. It's almost though you read, you, uh, you read my mind, Imran. I just want to say, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm recording this by peering over your shoulder the entire time. <laughs> yes, you, are you guys in the same room? What like, uh, that breathing sound was. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I was, that was, that's almost identical to what I was going to ask. You know, what, what's your guys' relationship with cinema? You know, how often do you go? You know, and, you know, what's your preference um, in terms of, you know, big view Odeon cinemas or Little Everyman's or even smaller, maybe. Um, yeah. Uh, Dan, what's uh, what's your... What tickles your fancy? Well, I think post... Sorry, pre... Let's hope we're post-COVID soon, I can say <laughs> that. But pre, pre-COVID, um, I would go and see most films. I mean, in my local view. Now, that's not because I'm pro big big chain cinemas but i think where i live in terms of a cinema i can literally walk to that that's that's the only option um whereas i think when i've lived or worked in different parts of london there's been there's always been other cinema kind of independent chains um like the electric like um Oh, I forget the the name of the one in Shoreditch, but I don't I don't really tend to go because of the cinema. I go where the film I want to see is at. It's if there's something really big coming up, and I know that I can, um, you know, book a really good cinema. Then I always pick the the Empire in Leicester Square because it's got the the it's got several new screens which are just awesome um mm-hmm. as well as IMAX if if i really you know if if it's something like an avengers film or a star wars film before they became shite uh you know, <laughs> <get started. laughs> oh, yeah. you know films that i really care about usually big budget films uh, of franchises that i really care about then yeah I, I would definitely try and um, 
book a cinema like that. Whereas the rest, I literally, it, it's just a case of of the time I want to go and see it if I'm seeing it with a friend, or or even or even budget, even budget. Sometimes you know, finding an independent film, uh, I'd rather spend ten pound in an independent cinema sometimes than you know twenty pounds in a big cinema chain. Yeah, makes sense. But yeah, I, I you know before before COVID really, I you know I I would try and get to a cinema at least once a month, if not two you know two or three times. Genuinely, if there was uh you know enough on, enough, enough on because mm. i'm old and i don't drink and go clubbing much um <laughs> so yeah i kind of cinema was one of my uh it sounds like it's a bit weird but a semi-social outlet because it's it, it's something you can go to a go with a friend yeah. you know, have have meet up beforehand or afterwards for a drink or a bite to eat so yeah, what about yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, uh, kind of similar to you, actually. Um, I, you know, well, I actually had a membership at the View Cinema um, in Wandsworth, and a, a large part of that was one convenience, like for my house, it's probably about ten, fifteen minute drive, um, multiple screens. Um, and also they had the uh 4DX uh experience which is a bit of a gimmick but it's quite it just make it it's it's something that differentiated me that that made it cinema for me to a certain extent that and they they got a very nice IMAX screen but the 4DX experience was just something a bit extra that was fun um and like you had to be quite selective with, with which movie you went to see in it as well. Um, so like Fast and the Furious in 4DX, like it's just, it, it's brilliant. It's good fun. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was, uh, and we go probably a couple of times a month, once or twice a month. Um, but for other stuff, like, like I say, like Prince Charles is one I'd, I'd like to go to. I, go to sometimes but again when they specifically had something on so they had like a Arnold Schwarzenegger marathon or they had like a showing of Akira or something like that they they were pretty good in terms of having these kind of really niche um nights or theme nights uh we went to go and see Labyrinth there once which is which was random but also good fun um but yeah they, they show a lot of old like classic movies and stuff like that um Every Man in Crystal Palace as well was one that um, we've been to more recently. Actually, when uh, View closed, like did their temporary closure, um, Every Man was still showing stuff, um, and went there for the first time. And it and it was that slightly different cinema experience that you mentioned before, Dan. So like the comfy seats and you know gl- a glass of wine that delivered to to your seat and uh, hot dogs that actually had meat in it as opposed to whatever they put in the ones at View. So. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, no, that was a that was a really nice experience. The screen was kind of smallish, but it was it was just a nicer kind of all round experience. Um, but I, I, and another one, um, the exhibit bar in Ballam, they've got a really like tiny little cinema room, uh, which I think holds maybe about 
20 people, if that. It's really tiny, really light, really small. But um, again, you know, get get a bottle of beer and some wine brought to your, to your comfy sofa. And um, yeah, basically it's like being in a mate's kind of man cave room. It's, it's quite funny, funny, funny. But um, yeah, so that's kind of my... Like you know, I love I love cinema. I, I you know I love my big big screen movies. Again, like you, I you know I wouldn't necessarily go and see everything as soon as it comes out in cinema. I, I kind of pick and choose, but there are certain things that I'll go. Yeah, that has to be a that's a big screen movie for me. I have to go and see that in the cinema before before it's run in. So so yeah, right. and you, Imran. Um, I again, like you guys, kind of bound by convenience uh, in terms of what's local, which is we have a, a view and an Odeon. So depending on what I'm able to see and at what time, um, that's that's what I gravitate towards. But also having sort of two little ones, the Odeon do the awesome, uh, what is it, uh, Kids Club, which is like £2.50 for a movie. And it's a setting where it's basically four kids to scream i want mom i'm hungry and it's that's why it's so cheap it's a, and you can forget about seeing there. the actual film the kids just going yeah, exactly <laughs> but the, the, but those are those are cool things to have uh, to be honest obviously people don't want that in in movies otherwise you know you don't want the kids screaming blah 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 but i always, I always thought it was a really really cool thing and that was a fairly regular thing sort of for me and my my daughter to do as she was sort of growing up where we would just go watch the kids club movie and would go down have lunch watch the movie and uh, it was always a nice kind of family orientated thing that Odeon uh, had been doing for quite a while so uh, yeah it was always a, a nice thing I think a considerate thing that they had done but um, yeah other than that it's it's funny because cinema kind of ceased being a social thing for me um, I'm kind of I said it's sort of bound by convenience and it has to you know it's it used to be such a great thing, like, um, like with you know, you call a, your friend, like Dan said, or you go with your your girlfriend, ma- partner, marriage, etc. Uh, and you, it's like date night in its own way. But now it's kind of like, oh, I'm desperate to see this. Oh, it's on at eleven at night. Great, everyone's in bed. I'll could I'll just drive down and go and watch this movie. You know, so it it sort of tends to be something that's not. I've lost the social aspect of it. Uh, which is a it's a shame it's um but um i guess you've got to you know you kind of you end up missing lots of stuff otherwise so um but yeah it is kind of i'd like to be supporting more local cinema more independent cinema sorry but um it's i guess for where i live it's not necessarily uh, a prevalent thing yeah uh, let me pose a hypothetical situation to you so say uh you know, pandemic goes on longer than than we think, and View can't keep up their running costs. View are also owned by the same. There's a big chain in America as well, and they're, they're I forget what they're called. Um, they've got a different name in, in America, but they are part of the same company. Um, but one of the biggest cinema chain files for bankruptcy, goes under, disappears, boom, is gone. How? Do movie studios react to that? I have a theory. Oh. I have a theory. This is what I deem uh, the potential future of cinema. 
um if it i don't think cinema will ever officially sort of go away or anything but what i what i think cinemas will have to do and i think if if they weren't having these conversations beforehand i think with quarantine and coronavirus companies like odeon view uh etc are having to say we're potentially in a huge amount of trouble and any conversations we were having yeah any conversations we were having prior to coronavirus we need to expedite this because we're in serious uh you know danger of 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 being forced out of business significantly quicker than we thought so here's what i think in time someone's going to do whether it be a potentially odian odian will offer like a, a i think they'll they'd have to adapt to the point where they pitch a like a they'll have their own kind of projector home projector so say for example 200 300 pounds they will come they'll install it it lowers down from your your ceiling or however it's convenient for it to to uh to kind of be incorporated into your home Mm -hmm. uh you then pay a monthly subscription to them 20 ish pounds a month 30 pounds a month and you will be able to stream cinema movies to your home as long as the cinema has the rights to them do you know what i mean so you're talking about it's sort of almost a new streaming service so before it won't be available on netflix etc but i think odeon could potentially adapt to becoming its own streaming service but it offers you this projector thing so you have this home cinema kind of uh it maintains that level of experience in your own Mm. home that's my theory interesting Dan, thoughts? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not sure. What Iman? You generally saying like cinema in your home experience will become the future? Yeah, potentially. I don't think they'll ever officially go away. But how else would Odeon find a way to survive in its current situation with, with quarantine? How else? What else could you possibly suggest? Um, you're right. I mean, I think they're they're going to struggle, but I presume. Well, I mean, there are vaccines on the way, so I think. But know, forget the vaccine. Forget the vaccines. Like the vaccines come out, they don't work. I really <laughs> hope that doesn't happen. However, this is this is this is the scenario is. Pandemic's gone longer than we expected. View goes under, or they're or they're on the verge of going under. Shall I say, without cinemas opening again for another six months, they're going to go under. You know, yeah. What happens? What what what's the studios move? Did they did they go shit? Okay, looks like we can't have any more summer blockbusters, or shit, we're going to have to scale it's down not, costs really, and go straight really to streaming studio, services. Or, but it's not really sorry. a studio decision; it's a cinema decision. Because it's the, if the cinema if cinemas go away, if the cinemas go away. The studios yeah. still exist, and they'll just go direct to the streaming services. So it's the cinema, right. it's Odeon and View that that are going to have to find a way to adapt. It's not necessarily. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so my my question isn't necessarily directed at what are the cinemas going to do. My question is directed at what are this. <laughs> no, but your 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 theory is an interesting one. But it was more what are the studios going to do because they, you know, can they make the same sort of money they were making in the cinema by going directly to streaming services? 
I mean, no. I mean, obviously, obviously, a lot of them are starting up their own um, streaming services. You know, you got Disney, you got HBO, blah blah blah. But how do they? You know, there's a, there's a big shortfall there, which they're already feeling, obviously. So how? What's their reaction? How do they make that up? Do they start their own cinema? I don't know. Like, or do they? You know, how? Again, super hypothetical, but how? Would the studios react to something like that? Or is the only thing they could do just roll with the punches, go to streaming services, scale down costs, and go smaller? Um, I think there'll be... I don't think streaming in itself is going to save them because there's not enough money in it. Like, you don't... No, no one at the moment spends the same... VHS. There you go. Boom, solved it. <laughs> no, no, no one at the moment will spend the same money on a streaming service as they would on what they would spend on cinema. I mean, you know, say if it was me or you, TJ, if we we go twice or three times um, a month, you know, you're talking between thirty and fifty pounds, mm. and that's not what you pay on on any streaming service. I guess if they could find a way of making, um, you know, pay per pay per view, so you know, they could they could charge ten pound for a big release, because in theory, if let, let's say for example, again, let's go let's go full hypothetical, let's say the next Avengers movie, the only way. You could get it. So not, nothing's changed. It's the same budget, mm-hmm. same actors. Everything's the same. There's nothing different to how the um, the movie, you know, the filmmakers have you know, they've done nothing different. Yeah. But the only way you can see it is to be charged nine ninety nine, and you watch it at home. Now you would think, okay. If they can get through the whole piracy thing, if if they can find a way of doing it so that people don't just end up, you know, streaming it for free or downloading it for free, that is, you know, that that's going to be an even bigger audience and opportunity hmm. for for people to see that film because. You know, even when when you're talking about the billions of people that watch in the cinema, it's still a fraction of how many people would would probably end up watching that film on TV or streaming services or, you know. So I would imagine if, if they can find a way of bridging that divide, bridging the, the actual piracy divide, and that's, that's the problem. At the moment, that's what's stopping this from being a viable business model. Because streaming, unless you unless they have their own streaming service and they charge enough to make it worthwhile for the type of budgets that they're, they're spending out on, um, and I don't see that being viable. So, unless they can do a pay per view system and reach more people in order to be able to charge slightly less and make it you know, and, and make it a kind of must-see, you know, I have, to, I have to watch this event 
Mm. Uh, yeah, so make it an event like an event, uh, you know, must see event, watching a film. Yeah, unless they can do that, I don't see how else they could make it work. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess, kind of, maybe, maybe a streaming serve, um, a streaming, maybe View could become a streaming service in its own right, as you say. Because, I mean, because I pay um, a monthly subscription to View and I get, you know, I get to see uh, a certain tier of movies for free. Uh, yeah, a certain tier of movies for free depending on which screen I went in. Um, yeah, and then I pay like three quid to see something in IMAX. And then I'd see like maybe a fiver to see something in 4DX. Um, maybe there's a way of replicating that in, in, in the streaming format where you have like, it's a free, so it's actually a free um, app or whatever. And as you said, you know, you, when a movie is available, you pay for it to view it one time and then it's gone. Um, and if you want to see it again, you pay for it again. There's also a subscription model where you pay a monthly subscription and you get unlimited views of certain tier of movies. I don't know. Maybe there is a way around it. Around. But again, will it scale the same way cinema, like classic cinema does to be able to cover the studio's budgets. That's my... It, it can't at the moment because as soon as anything is made available digitally, it means anyone, anyone can, can get it. Anyone yeah. can get hold of it. And that, that I think that is the issue. That That is the biggest problem that um, yeah. the, the big, you know, the big studios have is why they, they, they don't do this, why they don't you know, why they don't use this model more often in terms of, you know, um, making a film available. Mm. You think they would have trialed it by now. Mm. I know, obviously, you can, you know, you can go on any streaming service now and pay a one-off fee of five or ten pounds to watch a film. I know that that does exist. Uh, I don't. I, I I've never personally done that. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't pay to to see a film online. I think with, um, they did that with uh, Mulan on Disney Plus. Yes, they did. Um, yeah, yeah. You pay a subscription, and then it was because they weren't because they were weren't going to bring it out in the cinema, obviously because COVID. Um, I think it was. I think it was like nineteen quid to yeah, see it. It's really expensive. And I think, uh, and I don't, I, I'm, I don't know if that was purchased or if that was a one, one shot as well. Yeah, I think it was a limited viewing. Yeah. So, and I don't know, I don't know how well that did. To be honest, I mean, it's, it's the kind of film that if you're going to try something like that out on that, that is kind of a low risk factor because I, I don't know how much they were expecting it to make, but. Yeah, interesting to see see yeah. how much they actually did make from that. I'm just looking now, um, trying to find. Yeah, because that's a box office, but it's not giving me box office. And especially when, like, you know, you've got your big studios that are now running their own streaming services, having that 
avenue to to be able to put stuff like that out directly on your own channel not have to pay for kind of airtime anywhere else i guess that's, okay. here that's we go here we go budget 200 million estimated worldwide gross 66 Ooh. yeah guess not <laughs> <laughs> well it just i mean at that price point i mean that's on yeah i know I'm pretty steep it's pretty steep. I suppose they're thinking from a family point of view, you know, okay, you've got a family of um, four, maybe, you know, watching that, and that's mm. £5 each. That's probably not that bad, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, the the model of, of watching something at home is a bit different. You know, people, there's a lot more you can watch at home that might, you know, Essentially, the the choice is a bit different. Actually, that's um, that's another thing that you just you just um, brought up. That's an interesting conundrum. It's like, you know, if you do stuff like that and you allow people, even on a limited viewing, to go, okay, you pay twenty pound and you can watch this movie one time. How many people are actually going to watch it that one time? You know, are, are you going to get a dude going, hey, I'll get fifteen of my mates around? And we'll watch it one time, and that's a massive sink in revenue for for the studio, right? Yeah, yeah. But it, it's the same as uh, <laughs> well, we've all done it. We've all we've all gone around someone else's house to watch the boxing or a wrestling pay per view. Yeah. So I guess that's sort of the nature of the beast, really. I um, guess that's why they charge so much for it as well, because they know people are going to do that sort of stuff. Exactly. I mean, maybe it might be interesting to kind of take in what Imrad said, but but rather from a home perspective, you know, mm-hmm. again, relying on, on a post-COVID world where hopefully, you know, that, that that's not as much of an issue. But, you know, maybe licensing bars and pubs to show films so that anyone, mm-hmm. you know, so again, you could, you could find a different audience in a different, mm-hmm. I guess, more homogenized situation yeah because at least then you've got some level of control on numbers of people that see it and getting getting revenue from each of the individuals as opposed to releasing it out into the wild exactly because you know a, a barman or bar owner woman etc bar person bar person could easily work out how worthwhile that paying for that license for that one-off film you know mm. say so, so they've, they've coughed up 200 pounds but you know everyone came in and drank 20 pints you know you, mm. you can kind of work out the value there um for the the kind of you know again if it was as Imran said it was like you know they they lease the equipment out as well so it comes with yeah. it so, yeah maybe maybe that could work because that would make it a lot easier for companies to to do if if we are, you know, still in lockdown. For maybe when 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 you get like tier two or tier one lockdown, you could you could do it in a field or car park or something like that. You could do it outdoors. Yeah, that's true. So, Ryan, you're sticking with your home cinema. It's the future. Scenario. I guarantee it. 
I don't. Well, I mean, because it's the there is the question as you posed it about how uh, movie studios kind of have to adapt. But then, obviously, the question you know the theme obviously is the future of cinema and obviously how companies like Odeon View and the Indies how they're going to stay in business. So mm. I think it'll be it's sort of like how iTunes came to be. You know, you have Napster who were issuing MP3s, and then mm. the music industries had to you know almost eat itself by by really by collaborating and joining iTunes and releasing music in that way to try and regain some level of control uh, mm. about what was legally being purchased and uh, consumed by by listeners. So I kind of feel like Odeon are almost going to have to delve into that realm as well at some point to take some level of control over things that they have no control over. I think it depends on it depends on who you ask on as to whether that works in the music industry well, or not, though. I guess absolutely, so. but they had no other choice when you think about it because yeah. everyone was just was, was taking yeah. them, sharing them, and passing them around, and they and was were had they had nothing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it was literally the only level of control that they could exercise. So yeah. um, I kind of feel like Odeon and View, etc., they're going to have to do something to. Yeah kind of reassert themselves as a commodity in their own right yeah cool all right i think um i think we've covered it all um we've prophesized the end of the world and the end of cinema and the rise of the pseudo home cinema i'm not i'm still not quite sure on that concept but sure let's just go with it um thanks a lot guys uh it's a really good chat and I uh, hope you enjoyed listening to our dulcet tones and our strange theories. Have a good evening. Enjoy yourselves. Take care. Bye. See you later.
How's it going, everybody? TJ Sutherland here on the Close Encounters of the... Oh, wait, no, it's the nerd kind, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) All right.